You're listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times, or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode five of the Believe in Dog podcast. Today is actually going to be our first of a two-part episode with John Frank of Bark Today Dog Training. John and his girlfriend, Amy, actually hold a very special place in my heart. Uh, They were the first people, other than my husband, Tim, who I ever told about my idea for starting this podcast. This was just sort of a recurring thought in my mind at the time, and because Amy hosts the Why I'm Single podcast, uh, I wanted to talk to her more about it. So John and Amy were so incredibly supportive of my idea, and their support is one of the reasons that I'm here talking to you today. So I hope that also you will check out Amy's Why I'm Single podcast, especially if you like relationships and all things Baltimore. Uh, You can even hear me as a guest on one of their episodes, which is called Tell Em, Steve Tim. So John uh, reminds me a little bit of me because he didn't have very much experience with dogs when he was growing up, and he was also somewhat of a reluctant dog dad. But as you will hear, John loved his dogs so much that he was inspired to start volunteering at Baltimore's Barks Animal Shelter, and then he became inspired to attend dog training school so he could learn more about dog behavior and help more dogs to get adopted. I actually found a quote on John's social media where he said, Hexie was adopted in 2012. I had no idea how much she would change my life. She gave my life meaning and purpose. It's because of her that I do what I do with dogs, because I want others to find their Hexie. Adopt a dog. You never know where it will lead you. I first met John in 2014 when he started volunteering with Be More Dog. He then joined the board of Be More Dog in 2016, and he actually holds the status of being the first man to join the board. So he must have a lot of patience. And actually, that's very true about John. I will tell you something funny. On the day that I went to record this interview, I was using some new equipment for the first time, and it took me over an hour to get everything set up to record properly. Then John and I recorded and talked for two hours. At this point, I'm sure he was ready for me to get the heck out of his house. But when I went to leave, I realized I had locked my keys in my car, which I actually didn't even know was possible with my car, but apparently it is. So then I had to call my husband, wait for him to put some pants on, and then drive over with my spare key. So yes, I just keep thinking that John must have a lot of patience. This is part one of our conversation. Uh, We're going to talk about John's experience as a reluctant dog owner his experiences volunteering at the Barks Animal Shelter and how that led him to dog training school and eventually even working at the animal shelter. We also talk about some of the challenges he faces as a dog trainer. I also wanted to make sure that I mentioned that there are a few instances of not suitable for work or children language in this episode. So let's get started. I appreciate you being here today, John. Thanks for having me. 
this even though this is really weird for me, but <laughs> I appreciate it. So I believe that, like me, uh, you were also someone who didn't really have pets or anything growing up. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. I had like a hermit crab and a hamster for like a hot minute until he escaped, uh, but but that was it. I always wanted a dog, but my parents just wouldn't let it happen. Um, they always thought that uh, that I wouldn't take care of it, and uh, and they went they went with that whole thing of like, well, are you going to take the dog out if it needs to go out at two o'clock in the morning? Of course, nowadays I know that that's not always the case. That's it's kind of an emergency situation. It's not a regular thing, but they just use that as a way to kind of, I guess, deter me or whatever. So, but not for the lack of wanting. Did you ever have any, do you have any like memories or experiences, either good or bad with other people's dogs or, or pets that really made you think that you did want one or didn't? Um. <laughs> No, I I always wanted I always wanted a dog. I I always liked them. Um whenever I interacted with them and um you know, um I had pretty much pretty much all positive experiences. How old were you when you did finally get a dog and and how did that happen? Well, I guess I should say that uh we got we got Hexy um uh, the, the, the first dog basically, well, maybe not the first dog, but, uh, about been about eight and a half years ago. So, um, I, you know, I had tried in the past to, to have dogs. I had tried, I had done like some fostering type things. Um, and they, the situations didn't work out. I freaked out, um, you know, all on me. Um, and, you know, I ended up giving the dogs back for one reason or another. It was only a couple, you know, just like some of the, the health issues that they had had, because one of them was a, uh English bulldog and they're pretty labor intensive. Yeah, they can be very high maintenance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, he, that one required a lot, um, you know, and the behavior stuff and I just didn't know what to do and I just kind of freaked out a little bit. So... It, it took it took quite a while for me to to want to try it again and my uh my my now ex-wife at the time was you know pretty insistent on having animals in her life and uh, i mean for the most part you know that, that that was fine with me um and i'm kind of allergic to cats and uh so i didn't want to i didn't want to live on um allergy medication 24 7 you know for the whole life of the cat you know it's like we can't i just can't do that um and she's like well i need to have something you know i'm like okay well let's you know all right well we'll we'll try and i kind of just put it in my head that uh you know I'm, i'm gonna make this this one work no matter what and I mean, I like dogs, so that wasn't the issue. Um, but, uh, you know, we started kind of thinking about it and um, looking around and seeing. And I kind of had just started to learn a little bit about the stigmatism of, 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 of pit bulls and, you know, how they were demonized a lot. And I, I had known a couple people that had them, you know, and were, were big, you know, proponents of them. And, so we were kind of like, yeah, let's get a let's get a pit bull because 
then we can show, you know, support this misunderstood breed and, and hopefully, you know, show people in the future that they're not such bad dogs. So where did you end up um, adopting your first dog from? So uh, we got her from uh, a rescue. Mid-Atlantic Bully Buddies. Um, so, you know, we just started looking around, and, you know, we went and visited a few dogs in the in foster homes, uh, you know, and, and a lot of them just, you know, just didn't seem like a good fit. Um, one funny story I always uh, tell is one of the fosters we went to see, he had a dog named Becky. With the good hair? With <laughs> Yes, with the good hair. Um, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good one. Um, but uh, she would not stop humping me uh, pretty much the entire visit, and we were there probably like forty-five minutes. And um, I'm t- and and the foster did absolutely nothing to stop it. He's just kind of like, yep. She does that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, dude. All right. And we kind of left, and we're just like, nope. That. That's not it. Uh, yeah, and uh, and on plus on top of that, my ex-wife had had a bad experience uh, with a uh, former friend named Becky, so she was kind of like, yeah, that that automatically doesn't sit well with me. So, uh, but anyway, so we you know we visited a couple other dogs, um, and we went and and uh, found Hexy. Her name was Raven at the time, which no go for us. But um, the uh, you know the the description was really cool, and they were like, "Oh, you know, we can't get good get good pictures of her, and we swear she's cute, you know, because she's a black dog, um, or pretty much all black, and so it is hard to to photograph black dogs well." Um, so we decided to go visit her, and they live uh, the Fosters lived all the way in Williamsport, Maryland, which I had never heard of at the time. I don't even know about it. Neither did I. Um, I was aware of a Williamsport, Pennsylvania, because we used to pass through it every year going to visit my grandparents in upstate New York. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's out, uh, it's past Hagerstown. So it's, it's pretty Western Maryland. So it was far away. It was a commitment. Yeah, yeah. But we're like, hey, you know, I mean, that's that's where the foster is, and that's what we have to do, you know, no big deal. Um, drove out, met her, and, uh, you know, she was, uh, she was a little shy and, um, you know, we- weary of us. And, of course, you could see that she was totally comfortable with the fosters. Um, and she lived, and, and the house that, that, that she was in had other dogs in the house as well. So, um, and she was, you know, getting along with those dogs just fine. Um, you know, and we, um, you know, we, we drove, we walk, or we took, they offered to take her out for a walk and we're like, sure, let's do that. And, uh, we walked around, it was dark out. We walked around and she just had such this, uh, what do you call it? Like when you swing your hips or whatever, you know, like when she walked, her body was just swinging, you know, it was just so sassy sort of, you know, and I was just like cracking up at it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we laughed and we kind of were like thinking about it and we're like, you know, yeah, you know, she didn't interact with us all that much. You know, we knew that that would you know, change. Um, and both of us being a bit of social, socially awkward weirdos, um, you know, we kind of identified with her and said, yeah, we feel you. <laughs> Quiet, but sassy. 
Yeah, exactly. And um, but like I said, you, you saw the potential there in the way that she interacted with the Fosters and and you know very affectionate towards them. So we knew uh, we thought that that was going to be uh, you know a good fit, and so we decided to move move forward. So did you fall in love with her right away? Pretty much. You know, I was nervous, of course. Um, I don't want anything bad to happen to. Um, I didn't want anything bad to happen to her. And I was like, you know, am I going to fuck up again or whatever? Am I going to freak out? And, and I just kept saying to myself, you know, Hey, I, you know, gotta do this, gotta make this work no matter what happens. And, you know, we brought her home and sure there were, you know, challenges at first and, um, the normal adjustment period whenever a dog comes into a new home, you know? Um, and so we, we, she was crate trained and, um, we had put her in the crate, but, um, uh, she had freaked out some, some during the days, um, we had noticed. And, um, you know, at that time I didn't know, I didn't know anything about that kind of stuff, um, how to help her, what was going on, you know, none of that stuff. You know, we just kind of kept doing it. We're like, okay, gotta keep her created, gotta keep her created. Um, and then one day she, uh, broke out somehow, uh, and we came home and, uh, everything was fine. Um, she hadn't peed or destroyed anything. And I'm sure that was partially cause you know, that's what she did in her foster home. So she had already had that kind of direction not to mess with things that weren't hers. Um, so we were very, very surprised. Um, and then from, from that point on, we just kind of started leaving her out and, um, because she was being respectful of everything as that time went on, I just, got to love her more and more and more. She just didn't want to be in the crate. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was probably partially the adjustment period. Um, you know, could have been a, just a little separation issue, um, something like that, you know. But um, the fact that, you know, uh, she was just not destructive, we just were like, okay, well, then let's just let it let it go because, um, you know, she was going to hurt herself in the crate. Um, she could break teeth and... You know, all kinds of nasty stuff can happen. So, um, yeah, but yeah, sometimes that happens. Of the dogs that we've had, Nino is the only one who actually likes being in the crate. <laughs> Interesting. Penny had told us right away that she wanted no parts of the crate. And she has, other than one time when she had a UTI, she has never had any accidents in the house. And she has never, ever destroyed anything ever. She just doesn't want to be in the crate yeah. so we have a good system you know yeah there are some people that theorize that there's a containment phobia um and you can you know you'll see people argue against that sort of thing but there is some people that that think there's a containment phobia type thing where you know dogs have a phobia of being confined um and they will destroy and uh if you let them not be contained then uh you know uh, or you give them a little more freedom then they um behave a lot better or they or they're more comfortable however you want to look at it i've not heard that before i've usually heard the theory that dogs like being in the crate because it's like a little den or, or something and they're supposed to like it so when penny 
Lucy and Kalua were always cooperative, but they did not require it. Um, so with Penny, she was like, you know, I ain't doing this great thing. And we were like, <laughs> oh, 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 we, that was what we just thought they were supposed to do. And But like I said, we all worked it out. I mean, yeah, it is it is a good skill to have, or, you know, it is a good thing for them to do because you never know when they're going to have to do something like that. Yeah. Uh, they go to a vet and they have to stay overnight. And of course, the vet's going to create them. Right. That, that's just not you know, there's not going to be any other uh, option. Yeah. So, you know, it is good for them to, to, to know that sort of thing. And in certain cases, it is the safest, it is kind of the safest place for them to be because it keeps them out of trouble. Uh, you know, if your house catches fire, you know, they, they'll, they won't run and hide somewhere. Theoretically, you know, fire crews could pull the dog out very easily, you know, cause they can just grab the crate and carry it out the door. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's some dogs. Yeah. Just don't ever want to do it. Or, or even if you properly train them to it, it's, it still can be quite a challenge sometimes. So I know that about a year and a half after you first adopted Hexy, that you adopted your next dog. Yep. yep. And I also knew that you had started volunteering um, in animal shelters and that you eventually went to dog training school. But I do not know the chronology of these things. Would you share sure. more about that with us? Yeah. Basically, you know, we we had adopted Hexy. My ex-wife had started volunteering at, at Barks here, uh, here in Baltimore. And, uh, she, you know, she spoke really highly of it and, uh, she was just at the time she was just kind of, you know, walking dogs, uh, taking dogs out, get them out of the kennels and get them to potty and exercise and stuff like that. And I said, Oh, you know, that might be cool. Like that, that'd be really cool. Cause, uh, again, knowing that it's a city shelter, um, it's open admission shelter, which means they have to take whatever comes in the door. They cannot refuse anybody. Right. So uh, any dog, any cat, any alligator, any deer, snake, horse. pig, they've had horses, snakes. Yeah. Sheep, goats. Um, yeah, it's fun. Uh, but you know, and, and again, knowing it's a city shelter, the primary population of the shelter as far as dogs go um are pit bull type dogs so you know i really i want to help dogs you know i want to help dogs like hexy and uh to you know just just to show people again that they're just they're not these terrible inherently dangerous uh animals that 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 they get portrayed as a lot so I, uh, so, uh, Barks has this like volunteer level system where you, uh, you do certain things, you take certain classes or whatever, and then you get a little more, more responsibilities. It's one of, it's one of the very, very, very cool things that they do there, um, uh, compared to a, a lot of other shelters. Um, they let their volunteers do a lot of different things. Um, you know, so I started, you know, doing extra things. I took like, you know, loose leash walking class, um, and there was, uh, you know, another one for, um, you know, helping with uh, uh, getting them out of the um, the kennels properly, you know, teaching them kind of like door control type thing, not to dart out of the kennels and things like that. And then I started doing uh, the, the highest level that they had. Uh, I, I'm assuming things are still the same, but uh, at the time was level four, and that required you uh, to uh, go through quite a few different uh, topics with 
um, what they called the enrichment coordinator, uh, who's a guy named Brian George. And you know, they were just more complicated things. You would learn more about, you know, body language, and you got to see dog uh, or play groups because uh, they would do play groups with the dogs, which really, really beneficial for them. Can you explain what a play group is? Yeah, I mean, it's basically, um, I mean, it's it's a, it's a monitored play group. Um, so they bring the dogs in to the play yard. They have a fenced-in uh, play yard. And they uh, bring dogs in kind of one at a time, and then they all just kind of play. And, you know, you have two or three people in the yard with the dogs at all times to, you know, just make sure everybody's being appropriate and, you know, just interrupt any, you know, uh, you know, bad behavior. You know, if a dog's just getting, you know, too much in another dog's face, hey, stop that, knock that off, um, you know, just to avoid dog fights. Um, and then, of course, you're there in case some, in case that does happen as well. Um, you know, most of the, all the dogs have been tested before um, so they have a general idea that the dog is okay with both male and female dogs um, otherwise they wouldn't have been allowed into the play group but um, it's really enriching for them because they you know they get to run around uh, they get to play they get that socialization with other dogs which is really great um, especially if they're going to be you know going to a home eventually um, so you know they get to learn how to deal with different energy levels, different personalities, different play styles. You know, some dogs are really rough. Some dogs are gentle. Um, you know, some dogs are very temperate and they'll, they'll just, you know, dogs bother them too much. They just walk away. Other dogs will air snap, you know? So, uh, yeah, it was just a really, um, it's just a really like enriching thing. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch them, uh, you know, run around and, and play and interact. And I guess the the purpose being because the dogs are in kennels all day long. Yes. This is a great break for them yes. to get out, run around, be a dog, pee on things, sniff yeah. a butt. Exactly. Yes. That that is another key factor of it. Yeah. Because um, you know, as, as good a job as they do in handling the dogs, there's there's a lot of dogs there, and uh, there's just not enough people to you know get the dogs out. So play group is another good thing because you know they can go out there. You know, depending on how the dog's doing because you know you you kind of assess each dog individually and and you know if one's kind of getting too tired or whatever okay let's take them back inside you know um you always have uh, a person that kind of will run the dogs back and forth for you um from the play yard back to the back to the kennels um you know and then other dogs can go the whole time you know so you just kind of assess it but yeah it's another great uh thing for them to get out and and exercise just yeah to get out of the, the the kennels for a while so so we had adopted uh, our dog nino from the barks shelter and i remember one of the things they told us was that he was really good in play group and that when the other dogs were getting to be too much for him that he would just take himself out and kind of go lay down under this table or something in the corner of the yard and one of the pictures that we have that uh tim had fallen in love with that uh, had prompted us to go adopt Nino was him kind of chilling under the table with this big old bully grin, tongue hanging out, and, you know, that he had been in the play yard and had just had enough and was like, all right, Nino needs a break. 
Yeah, and that was that was another fun aspect of it too. Yeah, you know, I mean, you have dogs that do all sorts of different things. There are dogs that'll play, you know, referee uh, and kind of be like, "Hey, you're being too much of a butthead. Stop bothering that other dog," you know. Or dogs like Nino that just kind of like, you know, what I'm done. I'm just going to walk over here for right now and I'm just going to sit down for a minute, um, you know. And that was be another duty too of of being, you know, in the play groups is making sure that when the dogs are kind of just staying off to the side, you make sure other dogs aren't. Bothering them, so they have that little time to to decompress or or whatever. Um, but yeah, and that was um, which I'm sure we'll get to. But that was um, a, a, some of the pictures of uh, the, the second dog that we got. Hammer, uh, he had playgroup pictures as well, and uh, I actually have them somewhere um, that I that I uh, yanked off of the um, uh, the uh, Barks um, system. Uh, that housed all their pictures. So, um, yeah, they're, they're really, they're really fun pictures. So you and your ex-wife were, had adopted the first dog. You start volunteering at Barks. You get really involved in that. Is that what led you to Hammer? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I had uh, actually, by that time, I think I was already done like my level four training uh, for Barks, you know, which means I could handle pretty much any dog in the shelter, um, except for the dogs that were there in bike quarantine. So that was like a really... uh, that was a really cool thing for me because I could, I could go, I could touch dogs that were on, you know, a behavior hold, um, because they were having issues or whatever. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I was just there, uh, walking dogs, uh, one day and, and hammer was back in the, uh, as uh, I always called it sick bay. Um, <laughs> uh, because, uh, he had a upper respiratory infection, um, which is more commonly known as kennel cough. And, uh, he, which happens to pretty much every dog that comes into the shelter, but, uh, they kept them in a separate area just to try to keep, you know, cross contamination. Uh, but yeah, so I was back there walking him and you had to do all kinds of silly things to, to walk those dogs. You had to put a, uh, like a hospital gown type thing on and you had to have rubber gloves and, uh, you know, you had to change all those out in between each dog just to try to keep, you know, infections down and stuff. And in case the dog sneezed on you or something like that. But anyway, so yeah, I was, um, you know, I just had walked him and, and he was just, uh, you know, he didn't really seem like he was feeling bad. Um, you know, they determined he was still, you know, fighting the, 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 the infection, but, um, but you know, he was, you know, completely friendly, you know, he was just like licking my face and just, you know, looking at me and, um, you know, he's just kind of silly. And, um, I, I found myself, you know, really making it a point to go back and, and walk him, um, you know, a couple times, and I was just like, okay, uh, you know, what, and I asked my ass wife, you know, what do you think about getting him? And, um, you know, of course she had been, a, uh, she was volunteering there as well. So, um, she, uh, I told her at one point, oh, you make sure you go walk him. Uh, cause his name was Moss at the shelter. And so she's like, sure, you know, if you think you can handle it, you know, and she was a little surprised cause fought tooth and nail a bit to, to get hexy. <laughs> and then here I am, you know, a year and a half ish later, uh, asking for a second dog, <laughs> not just a, not just the first dog, but second dog. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that whole thing kind of, you know, led me to, to hammer. And so 
when was it that you decided you wanted to learn more about dog training? Uh, I mean, so I was going through all my level four stuff and, and uh, working with Brian, who uh, that guy is simply amazing with dogs. And, you know, he had so much knowledge. And just doing the things that we did and seeing the very simple things that you could do that made changes in the dogs, you know, and seeing the play groups and just seeing how it was helping them and how seemingly easy it was to, to, to just kind of change their behavior. Um, because, you know, getting to see uh, the dogs that were on behavior hold, you know, because they weren't good with, with people or they weren't necessarily good with, you know, other dogs. And so that the shelter didn't feel that they were, you know, a good candidate for adoption at the time, you know, but you, you could, you could help them. And, and two, a lot of it was also not just learning about the dogs themselves, but learning about the uh, importance of the human in the whole equation, um, how you act and react, your body language, your energy levels, things like that. And I just got very interested in it. And I could see that, you know, dogs were being returned to shelters for, especially for now, what I know are very simple things to, to, to work on, to, you know, jumping or you know, destroying things or, you know, simple things, not terrible things, you know, not like, oh, this dog, you know, uh, bit out my husband's trachea or anything like that. You know, it was just like, wow, you know, like this is such a, like, even with my limited knowledge at the time, it's like, it's such a simple thing to fix. What, what the hell, you know? And I was like, well, maybe, you know, I can try to help people with this and keep, dogs from, you know, being turned into shelters for those kind of reasons. And of course there are, you know, not to say there are not very good reasons that it has to happen. And a lot of times it's very unfortunate, just some of these things that, that could be easily fixed. And so, um, me being, you know, I like to, I don't like to just, uh, uh, decide something and say, oh, I'm going to do this. Um, I feel always feel like I need to learn the proper way to do something first. I'm very much the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I'm not just going to, uh, you know, I'm just not going to start working with dogs. Like, that doesn't seem right. I need a foundation. Of course, you learn by doing uh, even after you learn certain things. But but uh, I didn't want to just, because I didn't want to do, I didn't want to screw anything up, you know. I didn't want to screw the dogs up. So I started researching, you know, oh, are there, are there dog training schools? There's had, there has to be, um, you know, cause, uh, you know, there's, there used to be kind of an old school apprenticeship method, uh, that a lot of people did at one point in time, similar to kind of tattoo apprenticeships where, you know, you pair up with a dog trainer and you work under them and you are, you're not, you're working for nothing or what have you. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you're not, you're not getting paid at all or you're getting paid very little. Um, and then you have to train under this person until this person says that you're ready to go. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I just started looking around and I found, um, I found a couple schools and, uh, you know, I mean, I had a full-time job and, uh, there was a couple places I was interested in and one of them, 
I wanted to uh, that I was interested in. It was just the program was just too long. Um, it was like two months, and I'm like, I I can't. That's not something I can do. Um, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I had, I, you know, I accrued a lot of leave um, with the, the company that I worked for, but but not two months worth. And uh, you know, I can I needed to continue make you know making money, so I couldn't just say, all right, well, I'm going to quit. You know, uh, and, and that's not really my style either. I'm I'm not much of a risk taker, unfortunately, sometimes. But so yeah, so I found a couple, and I went out and visited. I drove all the way to Columbus, Ohio, just to do a tour of uh, National Canine, and I decided to to go there. I drove I actually drove out. Um, in January, which was not a smart decision, considering I had to go through Western Maryland. It was not a balmy trip. It was, yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, the return back home was was much worse. Um, I went through someplace in Western Maryland, and the uh, thermometer on my car said negative ten mm-hmm. uh, Fahrenheit. For any, if anybody's listening in Europe um, or the rest of the world that doesn't use the stupid old English system, anyway. Um, so I, you know, I drove out there and I took a tour, which you know lasted like maybe an hour. <laughs> you know, I booked a hotel room and all that kind of fun stuff. Because and how long of a drive? Oh gosh, um, eight hours? More than that? More than that? Yeah, but not much more probably. So you made like a nine-hour drive yeah, for probably. one hour. Roughly, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I didn't really have to do that, but of course they encourage it, you know, because they want you to see the facility and all that kind of stuff, and of course probably try to do your their sales pitch. Uh, but <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah, so I decided to go there, and I uh, put down a deposit, and um, and then that that March I started. Uh, I, I I went out there and stayed there for a few weeks. And so what year was this? You would have to ask me that. <laughs> I am so bad with this kind of stuff these days. Uh, I mean, it, that was probably about six years ago. I was thinking it must have been like around 2013 or something. Yeah, that's, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, I knew you started volunteering with us in 2014, so that was yes. what I was thinking. Yes, yes. That was, uh, you know, that was quite an interesting experience. Um, so what is dog training school like? Well, I mean, I'm sure it's different, obviously, depending on where you go. Because uh, I know somebody, uh, a dog training friend of mine, uh, Jason, went to the other place that I was considering going, Starmark. You know, so he, he we talked a lot about his experiences there. But, you know, for me, it was just, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty much uh, doing stuff. You know, we have mixtures of classroom time and dog time. Uh, you know, at National Canine, you could, uh, you could bring a dog with you. Um, and they, uh, you know, they encouraged you to have a dog, uh, if possible, that really hadn't had any training and, um, which makes sense. Um, but you know, both Hexie and Hammer had had some training, so I didn't really think that that was very fair or fair to me. Um, because then it wouldn't be as hard, right? Or theoretically, right. Right, as much of a challenge. Right. So they also had an option where uh, they would give you a dog. And um, that was basically, um, they had clients, uh, or they had people that were put on a waiting list that couldn't afford their training programs, uh, couldn't afford their, their board and train. Um, so they would put them on a list, and um, you could get their dog, essentially. So... 
I actually think that's a really good idea. It, it was, yeah. Um, so you have no idea what you're getting uh, because, you know, you, you don't know until you show up. Um, you know, whereas other people who brought dogs, they at least had the dog for the car ride, um, you know, and, and the time before they got to, um, to the school. So I, um, yeah, so I was given this dog named Cookie. I always laugh because she was a pit bull type dog. I thought you were going to say it was like a little shih tzu or something. Oh gosh, (laughs) that, that would have been really hilarious. But I just thought it was kind of funny that, you know, here I was, one of my main goals was trying to help pit bull type dogs, and I blindly get assigned a, a, a pit bull type dog. <laughs> so, um, universe is listening. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and boy, she was just such a sweet, such a sweet thing. Um, I still think about that dog. To to be perfectly honest, um, um, and which I am a lot sometimes to my detriment, but uh, it was a very difficult time for me. Um, I enjoyed learning uh, about all this stuff. I mean, I can't even begin to describe, you know, what I learned, but it was also very hard on me, like emotionally, psychologically. Spent a lot of time in my room, because uh, you were able to stay at the facility. They had like a little kind of dorm area with individual bedrooms and stuff. Um, uh, of course, you were welcome to stay off-site, but that would have cost you a lot more money. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I holed up in my room a lot, didn't really spend a lot of time with the other people. Um, uh, part, well, part of the reason for that was because some of the other people were just, you know, you didn't click. Yeah, just not my flavor of people. Was it just really hard to be away from home and be away from... I don't know what it was. I was just having trouble, you know. I just was, you know... I mean, I'd go in my room and I'd study and stuff like that, but I was... Uh, I mean, it could be being away from home. I mean, I couldn't imagine being away from my dogs yeah. you know, for that long. And, you know, we'd ha- we had Hammer at that time, so Hammer had already been living with us for a while, and... Uh, my ex-wife had gotten a, she bought like a soccer ball or something and she sent me like this little video trying to get them to play with the soccer ball. And of course, you know, they, they were just like, you know, whatever, uh, get out of here. Uh, but you know that I, I watched that video a whole bunch and, uh, it was, you know, it made me cry, but, um, you know, in a good way. So how long of a program was it? So I, I, so they do like kind of like a three week and a six week and the six week goes into some, goes into some more like kind of protection based stuff. Uh, you mean like learning how to do things like Schutzend and protection? Yeah. Like, yeah. IPO, um, uh, uh, and you know, police type work, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, you know, again, I couldn't take off six weeks, so they had the option to do the three, which was all the basic obedience and behavior modification type stuff. Yeah. So three weeks, long time. Yeah. It was a long time to be away from home. It was, but like I said, it was good because I, I learned a shit ton. And even if I hadn't decided, um, 
you know, I kind of went into the whole thing too, like, well, I, I think I'm going to like this, you know, and, and if I don't, well, okay, it's a learning experience. And at least I learned something, you know, I gained some knowledge that I wouldn't have had otherwise, you know, I mean, I was really glad that, that I, that I did it, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so once you got back home and you get back into your life, um, how did you start integrating what you had learned? Like, did you, were you doing any more volunteer work? Uh, were you working with any other trainers? I was still volunteering at Barks, going into my level four stuff. And, uh, you know, I had gotten my level four and well, originally, well, prior to that, I had, um, you know, taken some of the, the other classes for some of the other levels, which were taught by Pauline. And I found out that she was a graduate of National Canine. So we were talking about uh, Pauline Juliaris of Doghouse Girls, and she also uh, volunteers with us and as the president of Be More Dog. Right. And uh, so I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll just reach out to this person who's a you know a fellow graduate of the same place and I take you know I taken her classes and so I just kind of reached out to her and um just said hey you know I'm I just got out of national canine blah blah, blah blah you know and uh started talking and um I think she kind of at the time reluctantly talked to me and now she probably wishes she never did I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> yeah um I know she'd probably laugh at that, but um, I just started uh, talking to her, and I was trying to, you know, do some training on the side and just kind of trying to, you know, like having friends tell people and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and somehow, somewhere along the way, um, after interacting um, with Pauline enough and and also, well, and partially too, starting to volunteer with Be More Dog, you know, she started started uh, asking me to, to help out with some things and trusted me to do that, um, help out with some of her classes and, you know, just assist and, and help out and maybe help some of the, the, the clients, you know, um, if they were having problems with certain things, you know. She let me handle Ruby, which her, her personal dog who uh, just recently passed. So... I know it's still hard it's, yeah. for me because Ruby was such a wonderful uh, spokes dog and for the organization and and I know. But um, you know, I knew that was a big deal. She didn't just let anybody. Yeah. 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 Not anybody could just Handle. take the the leash of Ruby. So, um, yeah. So. Pauline, she's been a real mentor to you. Yeah, um, she helped with a lot of that stuff, and uh, she, um, you know, introduced me to some people and you know some rescues and things like that, and somewhat vouched for me, so to speak. Um, she's also a member of the same kind of dog professional organization that I am the IACP International Association of Canine Professionals and they have a conference every year and the uh, the first conference I went to actually luckily enough was in Virginia in northern Virginia so I was able to drive down you know and she would introduce me to people that she knew because she knew you know crap ton of those people so that was really helpful too to to try to you know just interact with other um 
dog professionals and it seems like continuing education type things are a big uh, deal in dog training like yes. it seems like yes. you're always going it to should be right it should be right uh, yeah. or i know that you i'll put it this way i know that you have done a yes. lot of continuing education yes. programs and classes yes. um to continue yours yes you know yeah you're always going to find those people in, in in any field you know not just dog training but any field that are like ah, i don't need to do that anymore you know like ah, I'm, I'm good you know i know how to train a dog but you know for me part of the the conference is, you know, learning different things. And they don't only just focus on dog training stuff. I mean, they talk about business type type things, you know. They have people that talk about that side of the world, which, you know, is really, really important. And, and other varying, varying things. And they have, they usually have some sort of kind of like entertainment thing to kind of, you know, just end the, the, the conference on just as a nice relaxer. So they've had like comedians and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, the the continuing education aspect, you know, very important for for me to, to keep learning things, um, because even though uh, I I do not remember the person that had said this, uh, but I've heard numerous people say it, you know, there's nothing new in dog training, um, which which is true to a certain extent, but you can always learn uh, slightly different methods and and. Um, and even though you can listen to somebody and you're like, yeah, okay, I know a lot of this stuff, uh, there's always something that you grab and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, that's an interesting way to look at it or approach or what have you. So you, you can always grab something, you know, because dogs are living creatures. You know, this is something that I think a lot of people forget, um, not to get up onto a soapbox. And you don't know the baggage that they have with yeah. them that has affected their behavior, much like with people. And even though people actually could have the ability to tell you with their words, <laughs> it usually doesn't happen. But with dogs, they don't even have the ability to tell you <laughs> right. with their words, you know. And and sometimes people will rely on that stuff a little too much as far as, like, you know, their background and stuff. Uh, but, I mean, that certainly does have an effect, don't get me wrong. But uh, sometimes I think people rely on that a little too much and sometimes use that as an excuse um right i know what you mean and there does have to be like a balance so remind me in your pre-dog training days your professional day job was something with computers system administrator system engineer whatever and i know you started your company bark today but you also ended up working at the barks shelter too is that right i i did for very brief time. It was, it was scary to try to think about jumping out on my own. I needed to make sure that I continued to have health insurance because, you know, because we live in America. And so what kind of role did you play um, at the Barks Shelter so, as an employee? So I had actually uh, interviewed for a previous uh, position that they had filled, and then they had this new thing come about. So they called it the alternative placement coordinator. So they wanted me to work on alternative placement, which was basically trying to find other avenues of getting dogs out of the shelter. But everybody at Barks wears many different hats. Um, so, um, you know, maybe trying to find uh, law enforcement agencies that were looking for dogs for, you know, drug or bomb sniffing or whatever. 
Right. I've seen some of these articles on Facebook from various places around the country right. where they have shelter dogs that they're able to train, you know, to be like the drug sniffing dog. Right. So things like that, um, you know, possibly looking into a prison program of some sort, which I love those programs. I was, I, I can't even describe how on board I was with that. And, you know, just, just trying to think of, of any other way to um, find uh, ways for dogs to, to get out of the shelter. Uh, and on top of that, we, uh, I was to do a weekly, a weekly uh, basically a, a free o- basic obedience type class for uh, adopters. So people that had adopted from Barks they could sign up for it and come to the class and get free training again to try to help out the dog owners um, and then you know just try to you know hopefully keep returns down and then something I had kind of been doing as a volunteer became part of my job which was doing weekly pack walks for the shelter dogs as well Um, I had been doing that my own uh, as a volunteer um, scheduling it finding volunteers selecting the dogs and everything like that. Um, so that kind of came, became part of that as well. Um, and just general, you know, helping out with behavior issues or, um, assisting the behavior coordinator from time to time. And, um, also, uh, kind of got drawn into evaluating, uh, the behavior cats, <laughs> um, to see, uh, whether they could be taken off a of behavior hold and, you know, be ready for, general adoption. So one thing I just wanted to touch on real quick for anybody who's not familiar, when dogs are in the shelter, obviously the shelter wants to do everything they can to get them into homes. And once they're in homes, you know, to keep them in the homes. So when they get a new dog in, uh, I believe, you know, they sort of evaluate them for behavior and to see, does this dog have any, you know, problems that would prevent it from getting adopted? And then how can we help improve that dog's behavior while they're in the shelter so that it'll make it easier to get adopted? And then once they are in a home, you know, that it it'll make it easier for them to stay in the home. And then you're saying that you would also run a class. So once people have, have adopted their dogs, they could then come back to the shelter and you would do a class for them, you know, to help work on general obedience. And it could be, uh, you know, and it was any dog that had been adopted from bark. So it wasn't even, there wasn't even like a time limit on, you know, how far back they had adopted the dog. Oh, okay. So anytime, anybody ever is, you know, Hey, I got the dog from barks and, uh, obviously we would verify that, but, uh, but yes, yeah. To make sure, yeah. Just to make it more of a whole complete process. Um, now I can't speak for every shelter, but yeah, what you said about bringing the dogs in and evaluating them and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, so generally if, if, you know, the vet techs or something are having issues, with the dog, you know, um, when they're examining them or whatever, um, you know, yeah, they might, might not make them available for adoption right away. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's just simply the dog just had to adjust to the environment. Um, and obviously, as I'm sure anybody can imagine, the, the, the intake process is pretty stressful for the dog. Uh, they were just ripped out of a situation somewhere, uh, whether they were found as a stray or they were s- surrendered or impounded by, by animal control. You know, as you can imagine, they're coming into this new building that's 
smells like thousands of dogs and uh you know there's lots of noises and strange things so it can be pretty stressful sometimes and not only smelling like thousands of dogs but all the people yes. and the yeah. you know d- disinfectants Everything. and medications it's and... very overwhelming um i mean it can be very overwhelming for a dog just to go to a new home um so if you can imagine this you know industrial building that has seen better days um yeah and full of all kinds of strange people noises and objects and smells and yeah it's just it's it's crazy so um but yeah that's that's what i was uh, pretty much doing with barks and so what is it like uh, working with the people who had adopted dogs who were bringing them for behavior classes? Um, was that something that you think was helpful to the adopters and the, keeping the dogs? I think it certainly can be. Was it helpful for the pe- people that I had experience with? Um, you know, maybe a couple of them. I mean, I, I was certainly completely on on board for the the program i thought it was a great idea um you know at the end of the day you can still say well you know we did something to try to help right whether it worked out or not that's that's a whole different story right we did something we gave people the tools we gave people information um but you know there's something to be said for getting something for free so you know some people were just kind of there uh you know they were there in body um, not in mind and spirit, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, clearly weren't doing the things at home that, you know, they needed to be doing. <laughs> um, a couple people were, don't get me wrong. That definitely, definitely some people were very, you know, following things and really, you know, intently listening, but yeah, you have to be, you have to be willing to do it. And I think that's one of the struggles, right? Of, when you're being a dog trainer um, yeah. and maybe sort of misinterpretation or misunderstanding um, of what you do. Like, you can't just wiggle your nose and fix the dog. You know, you're not a dog whisperer in the sense of you pull the dog aside and say, hey, buddy, right. don't jump anymore. Right. And he's like, oh, my bad. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think that's a uh, that's a really important point, and I'm glad you see that. It's um, it is difficult. Um, I struggle all the time because it's really training the person. It really is, and not it the really dog. is. Unless, of course, you're doing like a board and train program, but I don't I don't do that. I just do all home visits at, at least for right now. So I go into people's homes and, and work with them and their dog and show them. So, yeah, that's one of the things that, that, that I struggle with a lot uh, because, obviously, I want to help the dog. And, and I want to help the human as much as I joke constantly about hating people. I do genuinely want to help people. So, um, you know, but I struggle with it because, uh, I mean, I'm much better about it these days. Um, but it used to be, you know, I, I used to... Always say to people, look, you know, when I don't do something right or, or well or whatever, you don't have to say anything because trust me, I'm beating myself up way more than you could ever beat me up about it. But, you know, I struggle with it because I want to see these people succeed. I want to see their dogs succeed. And I'm constantly thinking, like, is there something I could have done differently that would have, you know, motivated them or made them understand better? 
or whatever, you know, just to do what they needed to do to, you know, to help the dog. Thank you for listening to part one of my interview with John Frank of Bark Today Dog Training. I hope you'll join us next week for part two of my conversation with John, where we'll talk more about his dog training philosophy and divorce and dating with dogs. I'll be posting photos of John's dogs, Hexy and Hammer, on Facebook and Instagram, and I'll also be linking to Bark Today's social media accounts in the show notes so you can show John some love there. As always, you can reach me at believeindogpodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at believeindogpodcast with underscores, and on Facebook at believeindogpodcast. Your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts help more people find the show and are very, very, very much appreciated. Until next week, this is Aaron Scott sending hugs and belly rubs.